When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Completely understand if you're a bit confused by what you just heard, (laughs) especially if you didn't listen to the first hour of the program. There's a lot to dissect there. Just flow with it. It's early August. Football season's right around the corner. Just flow with it. He's Ian Fitzsimmons. I'm Joe Fortenball. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio, and we are presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. All right, not fired yet. You and I working together. Very rare occurrence. Two degenerate gamblers who love college football. I think a lot of people figured this would just be two hours of rattling off bets. And we, we did do that for one segment with no structure whatsoever. We are not gamblers. We are wagerers. There's a difference. Gambling, gambling is when you can't afford to pay the bet. Wagering is when you can. There is a. I was a gambler in college, right? And now, eh, I think we refer to ourselves as wagerers because we can actually, at times, afford to pay the bet. See, I like that. It always reminds me of that scene in The Hangover when they're in the car yes. driving to Vegas. And they're just, Alan, I don't think we should be doing a whole lot of gambling while we're there. Gambling? Who said anything about gambling? It's not gambling when you know you're going to win. <laughs> My wife does not find that humorous at all when I, I say it. that, going into a Sunday night football game, and I may be down for the day, and I am chasing to catch up before the end of the week. Those who know the Sunday night settlement numbers, holler at your boy. All right, Ian Fitzsimmons, Joe Fordball. Like I said, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. NFL quarterback tiers. Who doesn't love a good tiered system? Mike Sando, senior NFL writer of The Athletic, spoke to NFL minds all around the league, getting their thoughts on the best quarterbacks in the NFL. There was a point system, and then he tiered them. We now have the opportunity to discuss that. Ian, who are the guys Sando's talking to so people have an idea of who's voting on this? Yeah, I look forward to this list every single year. He talks to 50 different NFL coaches and executives who are given anonymity to give their evaluation. So this year, the 50 insiders were placed 30 veteran quarterbacks into these four tiers, included eight GMs, 10 head coaches, 15 coordinators, 10 executives, four quarterback coaches, and three coaches that are involved in analytics. So that's your list. These are football minds. This is not Mike Sando. He gets these guys to fill out these sheets, and they are the ones that put these quarterbacks into these tiers by a point system. And that is important to note because Sando will end up taking all of the heat and get none of the great, the, the, the love for anything on this list. If you, you're not happy with your quarterback, you're going to be blaming him. Do not blame him. He uses his contacts to put together this information so people like Ian and I can scream and yell about it over Zoom and microphones and then eventually go to a commercial break. So let's just all stay calm. There's no reason to get that fired up. So tier number one, I feel like we should have a drum roll. Gentlemen in the back, do we have a drum roll anywhere that we could play in order to set up tier number one, which no doubt will offend at least one, maybe three fan bases? Oh, without a doubt. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Philly's going to be upset. I like that. Baltimore's going to be upset. Very nicely done. Tier number one, Patrick Mahomes. 
Joseph Burrow, Joshua Allen, Aaron Rodgers, Justin Herbert. End list. End list. So, right there, in your opinion, what's right, what's wrong, we don't really need to probably discuss Mahomes, Burrow, and Allen, and Rodgers. Herbert yeah, I mean, might Her- be the first Her- one to discuss. Yeah, Herbert's probably the one that most people are going, all right, why Herbert over Jalen Hurts, who just led you know the, the Philadelphia Eagles to a Super Bowl berth, and Lamar Jackson has been a league MVP. So why is Herbert ahead of those two guys? Well, Herbert has to also overcome a head coach who decides to go for it on fourth and one on his minus 18 and takes the ball out of Herbert's hands and runs a damn thing and gets stuffed and loses the game, <laughs> right? Yep. So that, that, that is a, that's something that Lamar Jackson doesn't have to overcome or Jalen Hurts doesn't have to overcome. But listen to this about Herbert, and it, this is why I think NFL coaches, GMs, scouts have him in tier one. He ranks in his first three years of his career. He is first in the history of the game in completions, passing yards, combined touchdowns, and 300-yard games. He's also the only player in the history of the National Football League to top 4,000 passing yards in each of his first three seasons. And he led the Chargers to the playoffs last year for the first time since 2018, overcoming, hey, let's go for it on fourth and three from our own 32. Yeah, I mean, when you watch him and he's at his best, he is incredible to see. And incredible to see the arm strength, the arm talent, as they like to say. He's had so many big games, and you watch the team manage itself out of games. It's hard to put it on him. He didn't do a whole lot in the second half of that Jaguar game. Some feel he should take more criticism for what happened. Regardless, it was a team effort blowing that lead in Jacksonville. I'm curious, in the move from Joe Lombardi as the offensive coordinator over to Kellen Moore, how much different things are going to be. There are people who feel that Justin Herbert is going to bust out and find a new level this year. He's got the weapons around him. He's second favorite in terms of odds to lead the league in passing. They threw the ball like crazy last year, but they weren't necessarily efficient. People feel Kellen Moore will be much more efficient with the passing this year. Yeah, and and you also have I mean, a disgruntled running back, but Eckler is underrated, one of the more underappreciated players in all of football. What do you have? Like, he had over fifteen hundred combined yards from scrimmage last year. A lot in the receiving game. So many in the receiving game. And Herbert also takes care of the football. I mean, there's thirty-one quarterbacks who have started at least fifty games that are active right now. He is the only one of the other of, of the thirty-two starters right now to play at least fifty games. He's the only one to not have thrown at least three picks in a game. Never done it. So he takes care that? of the football, and he delivers yards and touchdowns. He, Take that, he Patrick to, Mahomes. He has to overcome. <laughs> not about yeah. that. Take he that, to, Mahomes. He has to overcome a head coach that says, you know what? Oh, yeah, minus 18, fourth and one. Herbert, I'm not going to give you the ball. I'm going <laughs> to hand it off. That's hard to overcome for a quarterback. I don't, so I, bottom line is I don't have a problem necessarily – him being in Tier 1 over Hurts or Lamar Jackson. Okay, so now we go to Tier 2, and that's where you'll find Jalen Hurts, who was in the Super Bowl last year, obviously. Lamar Jackson, newly minted. Trevor Lawrence, Dak Prescott, Matthew Stafford, Deshaun Watson, and Kirk Cousins. This is where you're going to start to have problems. Because if you want to keep Hurts and Lamar Jackson out of Tier 1, okay, we understand. It's Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, Rogers, Herbert. But if they're going to then reside in a Tier with Kirk Cousins, which is going to be problem number one, Deshaun Watson, where I'm buying a bounce back this year, but some aren't, Stafford nearing the end of his career, off a banged-up season, Dak Prescott, who's constantly under criticism, and then Trevor Lawrence, who, ton of upside, but we we haven't seen it yet. We're probably going to see it this year, but 
We haven't seen it yet to the extent of Hurts and Jackson. I mean, I can feel some disrespect being felt in the Baltimore and Philadelphia regions. Can yeah. you not? I'll be brutally honest. I mean, I would have had Hurts and Lamar in Tier 1. I mean, if you can go further you just than four quarterbacks. It? Yeah. I mean, because okay. look at Tier 3. There's like eight guys. We'll get to that in a second. But Tier 3 is a mess. Tier 3 yeah, is tier, a mess. I'll tell you one quarterback <laughs> that doesn't even belong in Tier 4. It's in Tier 3. But in my opinion... <laughs> But, you know, if, if you could have Hurts and Lamar in Tier 1, I would have them in that particular group instead of with Trevor Lawrence, Dak, Stafford, Watson, and Cousins. Tier 3, Kyler Murray, Derek Carr, Jared Goff, Russell Wilson, Tua Tungavailoa, Jimmy Garoppolo, Daniel Jones, Geno Smith, Justin Fields, Ryan Tannehill, Mac Jones. You said there's a quarterback in Tier 3 you wouldn't even have in Tier 4. Which one is it? I'm gonna, I'm, I got it in my mind, but go ahead. Kyler Murray. Oh, wow. Okay. That was not going to be my pick, but okay. And when you're late to meetings as a quarterback, like 30 minutes late, and this part of this goes on Cliff Kingsbury also, and you're not holding your quarterback accountable, the leader of your team. I mean, that's why Patrick Peterson, you know, that's a 10-year vested vet, a perennial pro bowler, ripped him. You know, his own center, you know, who's obviously, I mean, no longer there, but going back to last year after the season, he's like, look, He doesn't watch film. He's late to meetings. I mean, your own teammates, former and, and at the time current, are blasting him. The punter, Andy Lee, supposedly was watching more film than the starting quarterback at home. Kyler Murray didn't realize, I guess, that when you, you take that team iPad home, they can tell how often you're you know, looking in to see, is that corner playing with inside leverage and expanding that, you know, to see – and going over different parts and actually using the iPad to watch film, supposedly, or allegedly, I should say, he was turning turn the iPad on. Oh, that now they think I'm watching film and got on the sticks. Late to <laughs> meetings, not putting in the work, right? When it comes to homework, which every great quarterback does, Kyler Murray, to me, he needs to prove to his teammates that he is not, forget the money, man. I mean, if you can get your bag, go get it. I mean, I'm all for that. But he needs to prove to his teammates that he is a leader of that team because right now there is not a soul out there that's following that guy. The idea that you're not being tracked. we all The jig was up the day, I don't know how many years ago this was, I want to say eight or nine, when we all woke up and looked at our iPhones and there was a new YouTube album on all of our phones. None of us had paid for it. None of us had asked for it. so mad about that. We didn't know it existed. And I remember I woke up, I looked at my phone, I had this new YouTube album. I go, where is this from? And they're like, oh, Apple sent that out to everyone last night. I'm like, they can do that? They're like, yeah, of course. I'm like, that, that, that has now changed the game. That has now changed the game. If they're just... If I'm just getting YouTube albums and that's what they're willing to let me know, think about what we don't know. Now that we know that there's aliens and all that other stuff, that's a conversation for another day. What's the best case and worst case scenarios for some teams in the NFL? We are going to go through an extensive list next. He's Ian Fitzsimmons. I'm Joe Fordenball. You're listening to Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. This is the Joe and Amber Podcast. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. 
Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really... Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Oh, it's such a glorious time of year. You can get your final summer vacations in, enjoy the sunshine, enjoy the pool, enjoy the beach, enjoy whatever you can while prepping for pro and college football, which is right around the corner. He's Ian Fitzsimmons. I'm Joe Fortenball. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. We are presented by progressive insurance time to play a little best case worst case best case pretty good pretty pretty good worst case terrible 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 it's a team effort and i guess it took every player working together to lose this one best case worst case with joe and amber all right so for this segment we bring in producer extraordinaire mark morales mark welcome to the show thank you for your service it's greatly appreciated the uh, wheels of steel are yours, my friend. Good luck. All right. Thank you. You may be feeling like a veteran there. Thank you for your service and all that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So give me the best case and worst case scenario for these teams. We're going to start with the Denver Broncos. Joe? Okay. I'm high on the Broncos this year. I think this is a team that we're getting caught up in all the drama between what Peyton said about former head coach Nathaniel Hackett. I think Hackett did a poor job. It's okay. We can assess that. Look at all the pre-snap penalties. This is a team that was very sloppy. Two discipline stats, turnovers, and penalties. And they had a ton of turnovers last year and a ton of penalties. People forget, this is a good defensive team. They have a good home field advantage. And am I, I am of the belief that Sean Payton would not have taken this job if he thought Russell Wilson was washed. Sean Payton had offers all over the place. He could have hung out another year and gotten more offers next year. He took Denver for a reason. I think he rebuilds them. I see them as a playoff team, but I'm going to say relatively quick exit. So I would say wild card team that finishes second in the AFC West, but probably gets bounced in the opening round. Oh, I got to give you a worst case too, right? Worst case. I'm sorry about that. Real quick. Worst case, probably like I'll say seven and 10, seven and 10 worst case. I think they're going to have a good season. I don't think it's going to be a bad year. Because of that defense and Sean Payton and bringing Russell Wilson back to Seattle, Russell Wilson, I'd say best case. 10-7, 9-8, Ten and seven, nine and eight, outside of the playoffs, just missing even with ten wins. Worst case, lose to the Jets in Week Five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would not go well. They won't hear the end of it, baby. They yes, will sir. not hear the end of it. All right, so now, Ian, give me the best case, worst case for the Lions. This is simple for me. Best case because of all the hype, win the division. Worst case because of all the hype, lose the division. Simple as that. Forget Simple win totals. That. Forget win totals. I mean, a division's more open than people think. I mean, because I think Green Bay is going to be better than most people think. 
So, and I'm kind of big on Jordan Love, not having some Pro Bowl type season, but better than, again, most of the casual fans think he's going to be. Lions, best case, win the division. Worst case, you don't win the division because it's high expectations finally in Detroit. I'm going to touch on Green Bay for a second. Shh. They're like 5-1 to one to win that division. They're just priced to be awful. That is not an elite division. They are priced to be awful. If Jordan Love one? is decent, yeah, wow. if Jordan Love is decent, and we don't know that he can't be decent, if he's decent, they can win that division. I'm just throwing it out there. 5-1 to one's a good bet. Uh, best case for the Lions, win the division, win your first playoff game, and then get bounced in the next round when you end up drawing Philadelphia, Dallas, or San Francisco. Because that opening round game, you can get a wild card team. Maybe you get a Seattle. You get to host them at home. Something like that. I could see them winning that. I don't think they're going to be ready to make a deep playoff run yet, but it's a piece-by-piece process for Dan Campbell. Worst-case scenario, I could see them succumbing to all of that hype and having some bad games that snowball into something where they all bought into the fact that they were going to be a playoff team, and then it gets away from them. Leadership will be tested this year. I could see a 6-11 and season as worst case if it gets away from them. All right, give me your best-case, worst-case scenario for the L.A. Chargers, Joe. Best case for the L.A. Chargers would be, you know what? There's a lot of upside here. Best case, win the division. If Kansas City stumbles a bit, I could see that happening. I'm not projecting it, but I could see it happening. And then you end up winning a couple playoff games. I'd say AFC Championship game. You got the quarterback. You got the weapons on offense. You're supposed to have two great pass rushers on defense in Nick Bosa, or excuse me, Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack. You should go out and win games. The problem is the worst-case scenario. You got a head coach who's a lame duck. He didn't get a new contract for a reason, so he's in the final year. Kellen Moore should be able to put him over the hump, but if it's classic Chargers football with lots of injuries and lots of mismanaging games, you probably go 8-9, and 7-10, and and miss the postseason and fire Brandon Saley. I agree with you on AFC Championship game best-case scenario because Tom Telesco, their general manager, is one of the best evaluators of talent in the league. He can't predict Derwin James, who never had an injury history at Florida State, is banged up. Joey Bosa never had really injury history except for that, that one against TCU at, at Jerry World when I called that game when he hurt his groin, right, and then cost him the rest of the season. But he's been he's – been, you can't predict that stuff, man. Worst case, Brandon Staley costs you a playoff berth. Yeah. I'm with you, man. I, th- I think the talent is there to go to the AFC Championship game. Worst case scenario, they don't make the playoffs, just miss out. That last team on the outside looking in, and people get zapped. All right, let's squeeze one more in here. Best case, worst case scenario for the New York football giants. Ian, what do you got? I'm bullish on Daniel Jones. I I mean, I, I think he deserved the contract. Getting Saquon back, I think best case scenario, wild card, and you win a playoff game again because the NFC is tough, meaning that that top tier. It's not deep like the AFC, but it's that top tier is tough. Worst case, you don't make the playoffs and everyone blames Daniel Jones. Eight, four, and one in one-score games last season. There are a lot of metrics pointing to regression for the Giants. I'd say best case, they squeeze into the postseason again as a late wild-card team and probably get bounced in the opening round. Worst-case scenario, wouldn't be surprised if they suffered regression in a big way and went like 6-11 and 11 this Woo! season. They're moving wow. in the right direction, but there's a lot of metrics pointing to the fact that they were very, very fortunate last year. The Big Ten made some headlines today following Colorado's departure from the Big 12. 
It's never going to end with the Big 12. So we're going to discuss that next. He's Ian Fitzsimmons. I'm Joe Fordenball. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. This is the Joe and Amber Podcast. Alongside my man, Ian Fitzsimmons. My name is Joe Fortenball. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. Dan Wetzel is a senior columnist for Yahoo Sports. He does a tremendous job. He's been doing a tremendous job for quite some time. Fantastic story out today. Sources. Big Ten has begun preliminary talks to potentially add Oregon, Washington, Cal, and Stanford. Dan Wetzel, kind enough to join us here on the show. Dan, we appreciate your time. So take us through what's happening right now. What is the Big Ten discussing, and where do they stand in that current time frame? Well, they're just, they, uh, four presidents met to discuss um, you know, whether really to expand and, and whether to – and then they focused on those four schools, whether to go move on from 16 teams, which there will be in 2024 when USC and UCLA arrive, uh, go to 18, they bring in Oregon and Washington, or go to 20, bring in Oregon, Washington, Cal, and Stanford, and basically have a, a six-team western flank and, and kind of own the, own the West Coast. Um, and so no decisions have been made at this point, but – this is the presidential working group. This isn't, uh, th- these would be the people that would make the decision. So things can happen very quickly if, if they wanted to, um, are they waiting to see what will happen with the PAC 12? Probably, uh, everyone's kind of eyes are on university of Arizona. Does Arizona want to leave the PAC 12 and jump to the big, Ten- big 12? If that happens, can, can the big 12 go to four, from 14 to 16 teams and add Arizona State and Colorado also, which pretty much wipe out the, the Pac-12 and then the Big Ten, 10 could swoop in. There's a lot of moving parts here, but um, as this, this cycle of realignment spins, the Big Ten, which is one of the two big dogs of this sport, along with the SEC, is at least uh, sniffing around and considering adding teams. And that would, uh, you know, you could have a 20-team Big Ten, which is crazy in its own right. Uh, and you could really have the Pac-12 no longer exist in any semblance that we know. What was the biggest change, Wetzel, uh, with new commissioner of the Big Ten, uh, Tony Petiti, from Big Ten Media Days going, hey, we're good right now to all of a sudden uh, your piece today, which was a, a, we would encourage everybody to go read it. it it's insightful and, it, and it, it's eye-opening. What was the biggest shift of, hey, we're good right now to all of a sudden, all right, we're making preliminary phone calls to see – what it would take, and who's interested in joining us here in the Big Ten? Yeah, they're all interested, so they know that. That's the one thing they got going for them. Uh, it's mainly the Pac-12 coming in with their their media rights deal and presenting the media rights deal, and it's you know heavy on on streaming games on Apple Plus. Uh, not a lot of linear. It's the the money could be something in the twenty million range, twenty five million. Uh, the Big 12 is offering 31.7 million. The Big 10, 50 to 65 million annually per school. So you're talking massive gap in that. And when the Pac-12 money came in low, the Pac-12 presidents freaked out and started looking and and, and moving around. And 
it really looks like the, there is a scenario where the Pac-12 sticks together, and there is a scenario that's probably a little bit more likely that it starts splintering and coming apart in a in a what I would consider comically hypocritical fashion, but says everything uh, about college sports. The Big Ten doesn't want to be seen as the league that killed the Pac-12. So they don't want to just come <laughs> in and take 14s. When they took UCLA and USC, right. right? okay, a year ago, it was quite predictable that the media rights deal for the Pac-12 would be significantly lower because they no longer played had teams in Los Angeles. So it was pretty obvious what was going to happen, but they literally are like, we don't want to kill it. We don't want to kill it. Well, you kind of killed it, but if it starts splintering even more, they're going to grab the parts. It's like, uh, yeah, it's like scrap metal guys driving around the block right now at a, at a house that might be abandoned. So um, it's, it's, it's comical. It's, it's a heavy pursuit of money. But that's the main thing, the instability of the Pac-12. And you're like, hey, maybe we should just grab these schools now. It's inevitable we're going to go to 20 teams or these, these leagues are going to get bigger and bigger. Um, I guess it is. The SEC seems very content at 16. They've got a nice group. They, they, the states are all together. The Big Ten is a would be a just a, a – I mean, they go all the way from Rutgers – <laughs> to, to six teams on the West Coast. 20-team league is crazy, but uh, they're all in the pursuit of money. So that's what it is. Dan Wetzel, Yahoo Sports senior columnist, joining Ian Fitzsimmons and Joe Fortenball here on ESPN Radio. Pac-12 in trouble. Big 12 doing the best they can to remain stable. They're bringing in four teams this season, Houston, Cincinnati, Central Florida among them. SEC and Big Ten in great shape. What do you make of what's going on in the ACC right now? Florida State's making some noise the last couple of days, talking about how they're going to be exiting. How much trouble could the ACC be headed for? Well, the ACC has a grant of rights contract that runs through 2036, and they have a deal with ESPN that is, uh, you know, in the I think in the $30 million range. It's not competitive with the SEC and the Big Ten, and that's why you see Florida State uh, particularly – um, calling that deal out. Uh, what The problem is the deal is a long-term deal. They took a long-term deal. They wanted the stability, but the, the rates went up. And so they're, they're now 20, 30 million behind per year. And, you know, you start adding that up over the years and it gets to real money. Let's just say that. Um, and that's why you, you, you might feel you're, you're a little less competitive or you're at a competitive disadvantage. The problem is they signed the deal. And it does not appeal to be a way to get out of this grant of rights until 2036. Florida State, Clemson, Miami, they would like to see the other schools give back some of their share and and pay the, the, the teams that have more uh, value and bring more viewers, right? A lot more people are watching Clemson football than Boston College football. The problem is what is the incentive for Boston College or Syracuse or something like that to do that? Uh, not only would you be putting yourself at a competitive disadvantage, you already know that once this deal ends, these schools would leave in a heartbeat. There's not going to be any goodwill. So there's a lot of saber rattling and complaining going on, but I feel like if Florida State could get out of that grant of rights, they would have got out of that grant of rights. Um, I get the frustration. You're Florida State through the years. I mean, you had a couple bad years this decade, but you're kind of back. Uh, Through the years, you have built up your fan base, your program, and all that. Clemson, obviously, same thing. Miami to the point where you're going, we should be 
at the big the big table. We should be getting as much money as everyone else, and you're not. And you're stuck with uh, a lot of schools that that don't bring that. But you brought in those schools at one point or another thinking this would work, and it didn't. So there's a little bit of regret. Uh, it's just the nature of college athletics. It, it's a total disaster. No one's in charge. Uh, nothing makes sense. Uh, and yet they <laughs> kick off the ball, and we love it anyway. I, I don't even know how to explain half this stuff. All right, so this is, this is a completely and remarkably unfair question that I'm about to ask you. But if you can – Try and look ahead to right before the start of the 2024 campaign. Who's in the Big 12? Who's in the Big 10? And what the hell is going on with the ACC? ACC is going to be exactly the same. Okay. They're going to be right there. That one was they easy. No Next. What's that? I said that one was easy. Next. That one's <laughs> easy. Yes. Big 12? So I, I don't know the percentage here. This is the situation. The Big 12, <laughs> the Big 12, <laughs> this is crazy. Okay, the Big 12 is offering, each school gets $31 million in, in TV revenue, media rights revenue. They added Colorado. Colorado got a full share of $31 million. They can add a 14th team. Let's say Arizona. They can add Arizona. Arizona will get $31 million. What we don't know, is will ESPN and Fox allow them to add Arizona State for another $31 million and Utah for another $31 million, or sit there and say, look, there isn't enough value here for us to just keep throwing $31 million, you know, that's $62 million more dollars <laughs> every year. We, might, we're, we may not allow that. If that's the case, then Arizona State and Utah stay in the Pac-12. They don't have anywhere to go. And if that's the case, the Big Ten may sit there and say, okay, we're not going to come in and ask Oregon and Washington to go at this moment because there's still an eight-team Pac-12 that could add San Diego State or SMU or Boise State or whatever and have a nice little league. And, and that could be it. Arizona could be in the Big 12, but the Pac-12 will be fine. The, the, the linchpin will be, will Arizona jump, and then can the Big 12 bring in more members? If they can, then we're, I think we'll end up with a 20-team Big Ten, and there's, the Pac-12 will not exist. But we don't know if that's going to happen. So I don't even know how to put a percentage on that. It's just a domino that goes along. And it's like when Colorado left the, the Pac-12 to go to the Big 12, a lot, like a lot of people, just casual fans, go, who cares? I mean, you got Deion Sanders now. That's exciting. But for the last 20 years, Colorado has been irrelevant. Is that really even a big deal? No. But it was the first domino and the next domino and the next domino. This thing just never ends. So that's how I see the game pieces. It could either be total Armageddon, no Pac-12, Big Ten plus another 10, or <laughs> it could be – or I don't <laughs> – Oh, my head hurts. <laughs> it's all right. Dan, you did a fantastic job. Yahoo Sports senior columnist Dan I Wetzel. All of your listeners, all your listeners, like, what is this guy talking about? I don't know. <laughs> you enlighten them as well. Go read it. Go read the damn yeah. column. <laughs> yeah, take notes and a, and a note. I don't know. I'm trying. That's what I can do. All we right. appreciate it, Dan. Thanks so much for your time. Awesome. Thanks, Wetzel. You know what? It, you know what it reminds me of. Tell it reminds me, me of how Dude. we we had cable. And then we got mad at how much cable cost, so we picked up a streaming service. We picked up another streaming service. We cut the cord. And then 
a few years later you look and you're buying 25 streaming services <laughs> that add up to your cable bill and you're right back where you started. Like what we're going to do is we're going to break up all the conferences. We're going to end up with two mega super conferences. Then we're going to say this is ridiculous. It doesn't work. And everyone's going to fracture off into new conferences and we're going to be right back where we started. Hey, you know what? We're going to get used to it. We'll get used to it. We're yeah. used to it. Penn State being the Big Ten. They were an independent 20 years yeah. ago. We'll, we'll get used to it. Great call. Whatever Great call. Ends. All right. We continue our NFL two-a-days next with a very interesting team, the New England Patriots. You might be surprised at what we think. He's Ian Fitzsimmons. I'm Joe Fornball. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. This is the Joe and Amber Podcast. All right, alongside Ian Fitzsimmons, I'm Joe Fortenball. Welcome to Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. It's time for the New England Patriots. Let's go through the Vegas numbers. 60-1 to to win the Super Bowl. Far cry from those days with Tom Brady. 35-1 to to win the AFC. They're 8-1 to to win their own division. Dead last. It's the Bills, the Jets, the Dolphins, and the Patriots in the eyes of Vegas. Win total 7.5, which means if you bet the over, you need 8 or more wins. If you bet the under, you need 7 or fewer wins. Ian, what do you expect from these guys this year? Are they going to threaten for a wild card spot at all? Yeah, I think they can just because... Bill Belichick actually went back to being a head coach and is not trying, you know, these razzle-dazzle. Watch how brilliant I am. I'm going to have a defensive coordinator call offensive plays. And sharing that duty is a special teams coordinator calling offensive plays. Oops, I guess I'm not the genius (laughs) I thought I was. So let me bring back a guy who helped me win a Super Bowl, and that's Bill O'Brien. You know, who with the Houston Texans, and I can't emphasize this enough, what has become of the Texans since they fired Bill O'Brien? Now, I'm not saying he was like the greatest GM slash coach in the history of football. But they were competitive. Making the playoffs at, you know, at least every other year. I mean, when you look at what they've become, the damn dude belongs in Canton. <laughs> so, I mean, compared to where they were and where they are now. So uh, bringing OB back, is prob- is, it could, you can make the argument that's the best offseason acquisition of any team in the AFC. Because that dude can call plays. He's proven at the college and pro level, he is a phenomenal play caller. Nobody is going to benefit more from that than Mac Jones. I think you'll see more of the Mac Jones we saw at Alabama, who led the entire country in completion percentage, breaking Joe Burrow's previous record. They end up with 78, uh, 78% completion percentage at Bama while becoming a Heisman finalist. And then the same guy who was an alternate for the Pro Bowl, helping New England get to the playoffs. That's the Mac Jones I think you're going to see this year because, again, if you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a shot. And I, do, I am a Mac Jones believer, especially with Bill O'Brien being there. Yeah, the thing is, it's not just about trying to win more games this year, duh. It's about figuring out whether or not Mac Jones is your guy, right? Like, last year was a wasted year in terms of developing Mac Jones, in terms of understanding whether or not he can be a franchise quarterback in the NFL. So now you bring in O'Brien, you got to hope, you can start to figure those things out. The problem is, who are the weapons? They tried to get DeAndre Hopkins. He went to Tennessee instead. Your leading receiver last year was Ramondre Stevenson with 69 receptions. Ramondre Stevenson is a running back, ladies and gentlemen. He's not a receiver. A running back should not have the most catches of anyone on your team. This is not the 2004 Chargers and Ladanian Tomlinson. And if that's the case, then you've got a hell of a running back there. No disrespect to Ramondre Stevenson, but... That's not the, you need the wide receivers. The problem for the Patriots is just as they might start to figure this out, 
the rest of the division has already passed him by. Miami lost Jalen Ramsey at cornerback, but that is going to be a formidable team if Tua stays healthy. The Jets are going to be solid. The Bills should be solid. And when you're fighting for a wild card berth with that division, and then you look at the AFC North, all four of those teams are going to be solid. Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season. The Browns are going to bounce back this year. Cincinnati's going to be Cincinnati, and I think the Ravens are going to be nasty. Fighting for playoff spots is going to be very difficult in the AFC this year. Nine wins I don't think is getting you in. Ten wins minimum and no guarantees on that. All right, let, let me ask you this. We did best case, worst case for some teams earlier. Uh, and I mean, let me throw this at you with New England. Best case scenario for me is they make the playoffs as a wild card team and get bounced in, in the wild card game. Worst case they finish dead last in that division. And both, I think, are distinct possibilities. Yeah, I think dead last in the division far more likely than making the playoffs. The schedule is brutal. Listen to the schedule to start the season. Hosting Philadelphia, hosting the Dolphins, at the Jets, at the Cowboys, hosting the Saints, at the Raiders, and then you're hosting the Bills and at the Dolphins. You are going to be a favorite in maybe three or four games this season. That Saints game, you're a projected favorite. The Raiders game, you might be a favorite if they're terrible. And then you got Washington and Indy later in the season at home. That's it. I mean, how are you going to win nine games if you're a favorite in just four of them? It's going to be very difficult for these guys this year. But the hope is, all right, if you're not winning 11 games and competing for titles, fine. You need to know by the end of year three if Mac Jones is your guy. If you're still questioning whether or not Mac Jones is your guy at the end of year three, you failed. Like the Giants stumbling all over the place trying to figure out if Daniel Jones is the guy. They paid him, but I still don't think they know if he's the guy yet. Well, you saw a different version of Daniel Jones when you finally brought in yes. a coach that actually knows a thing or two about calling plays and setting up a team with a play in the first quarter to burn you in the third quarter and Brian Dable. That's what Bill <laughs> O'Brien finally brings back to New England that they had in, in Mac Jones's rookie year with, with, jo- with Josh McDaniels. So, and, and you know this also. Every single year, and this is a damn historic fact since 1990, half the teams that made the playoffs last year will not make the playoffs the following year. Good luck trying to figure that out in the AFC. Chargers, Chargers are interesting. I think the Dolphins could be a team that made the playoffs last year that don't make it this year. I mean, obviously, the Jets are a candidate to get in. If the Ravens don't bounce back, they could be an out. I don't know. I mean, Cincinnati's already starting to get hit with the injury bug. I'm not saying they miss, but that is a brutal division. They opened the season, I believe, at the Browns, and then they've got the Ravens. You can't start 0-2. not saying they will, but you can. Oh, all right. How about that? Two hours. I don't think we're getting fired. I think we kept the gambling talk to a minimum. Yeah, but the opening segment, we had some issues. Yeah, we did. We did. We're going to let that go. That Jerry Jones impersonation. <laughs> He's Ian Fitzsimmons. I'm Joe Fortenball. Thank you so much for checking us out tonight. Freddie and Fitzsimmons of, of Ian Fitzsimmons is up next with Matt Jones and Myron Metcalf. Check him out. We'll catch you tomorrow right here on ESPN Radio. Bye, Joe. This has been the Joe and Amber Podcast. You can listen to Joe and Amber live weeknights from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, or on your smart speaker. Joe and Amber, the podcast.